Hey yo, welcome to another fortnightly episode of War Starts at Midnight. I'm Chris Gallagher. And I'm Hunter Cates. Today on the show, we're inaugurating the inaugural Civil War. This brand new segment is a fight to the death, or at least dismemberment, as we pit two essential films against each other to determine which is essentialier. In this corner, the 1977 Academy Award winner for Best Picture, Rocky. And in this corner, the motion picture of the American Film Institute ranked number four on their 100 Best Films of All Time list, Raging Bull. Listen on the edge of your seats as we determine which picture would win in a head-to-head competition. Then, if we're still standing, we'll wrap up the show as we always do with some really rad recommendations. But first... Well, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to do our Ford Report and discuss things going on in the career of Harrison Ford and characters originally played by Harrison Ford. So it was recently announced that Harrison Ford will be returning with the fedora and bullwhip to play Indiana Jones in Indiana Jones 5, as is currently being titled, and it will be directed by Steven Spielberg to be released in, I believe, July of 2019. Chris, I already know the answer is you don't like this. So my rather than say, are you excited about this? How unexcited are you about it? I honestly, I'm just indifferent at this point. Like, is it Star Wars The Force Awakens indifferent or it's? No, it's not. A, it's not that because Star Wars The Force Awakens was like there were inklings. This is just like, I don't know. I don't care. I just don't care. You're tired of being hurt is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I've become I've, I've made myself numb to it. Well, that may be the best bet. So you you're you're don't you have low expectations or no expectations? I mean, honestly, no expectations, especially after Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Like, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like they should hang up the hat and the bullwhip. Or do what they're inevitably going to do and just pass it on to somebody else. Reboot it. Yeah, like Harrison Ford, as much as I liked him in The Force Awakens, I don't like the the Indiana Jones character is not a character that you really want to see age up. I agree with that. So I I don't know who this is for and what we're going to get out of it. You know, I find it very strange that we went about 19 years without any Indiana Jones movies because it's really that character is very James Bondy. And in fact, that's yeah. originally how it came about is they wanted to do James Bond. You would think that they could just churn it out every three or four you, years. You would think so. And you would think, I mean, maybe I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. They, they could very well do something that tries to do a last crusade sort of thing where he becomes the father and you have a son figure is, who is not Mutt Williams is played by Shia LaBeouf. Exactly. Exactly. And so I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I just don't care. Well, supposedly Steven Spielberg wants to direct Chris Pratt. And I, and I think it was in that picture. So mm-hmm. You know, may, maybe that'll make it salvageable. That that would make me a, a bit more optimistic, but still, like, I don't care. Maybe it's like a Creed-like scenario. I don't know if you've seen that yet. But I still haven't seen Creed. I, I apologize. I know I need to. I will. Um, but I don't know. Let's let's move on. <laughs> let's let's move on to Happier Fair. Maybe Happier <laughs> Fair. So apparently the list of potential Han Solos has been narrowed down from, I think it was up to 2,000 people nationwide it has been narrowed down to i believe about six are you excited by the people on this list um let me actually turn it around on you i i assume i'm going to assume that you like like your assumption for me with uh this Mm -hmm. uh indiana jones how how disappointed are you just that they're making this movie still or was there was there a name on the list that kind of piqued your interest no not really there's uh as as whenever you sent it to me what i said was the lambs being led to the slaughter mm-hmm. and i feel that there shouldn't be anyone else playing han solo 
I think that the significance of both the Han Solo and the Indiana Jones character is Harrison Ford wasn't just the actor portraying it. He was in many ways the writer of that character. And so it seems somewhat illegitimate to me. And for lack of better words, I just don't think we, we I think you and I have discussed this on the show before is modern actors, as talented as they are, as good as they may be, they just don't seem adults. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And even if it's a younger Han Solo, which is supposed to be Harrison Ford always seemed like an adult on screen. He was always an adult. And so I'm not really getting that vibe yeah, from but any he, of them. He's also in a, he, I mean, think about just think about his actions in a new hope. Like he's an adult who isn't, totally matured you know the way the way that he handles just you know i want to get my money and run that's a very sort of you know that that's a somewhat yeah it's juvenile okay maybe maybe a better way to put it as as opposed to an adult he's a manly guy he's he's like he's humphrey bogart in casablanca oh but i i i agree but i disagree i think he's got he's got something that that you know Rick doesn't have and that's that he he also relies on his wits as much as he does and his charm as much as he does his you know just manliness his pure you know uh, ability to either you know manhandle someone or or that sort of thing as much as as it I would even well, say Well let, let me ask you this is there anyone on this list or perhaps more than one on this list that excites you I mean I to be perfectly honest most of them I'm not too familiar with if I'm familiar with them at all, but you know that there's one on this list right. that excites me, and that's Alden Ehrenreich. I mean, we saw him in Hail Caesar recently, and he just stole the show in that. And I think, um, I I don't know. I this is not something where I'm like, oh great, like now I'm super excited for the new Han Solo movie. But you combine Lord and Miller with Alden Ehrenreich, and that's something that I'm very interested to see. I'm interested to see what they do. I think that's a a really nice cocktail for, you know, trying to do something, which ultimately I think um, just given their history, uh, it's probably going to be something that does rely on that charm and that, um, you know, sort of, it's not going to be as much of a manly character or you're a, you know, it'll be big more macho comic. Character. It's, it'll be more comic, which I mean, I'm okay with, I don't know. I, I think you're no, you're it, yeah. To it. I mean, I'm a, well. Let me ask you this: Is your stance on this is it's going to happen? So I might as well try and enjoy it. And it looks like they're moving in the right direction. Or are you genuinely excited? Um, I I I think I as always I think I fall somewhere in the middle. Like it's um I am I'm a little bit excited, but also I am I mean kind of like with with Indiana Jones. It's like well I can't I also can't fight against it. You know, it's not like it's not like I can go. I'm going to go protest and with, with a bunch of people and they're going to say, Oh, well, I guess since you're not going to give us $10, we're not going to make this movie now. Well, you know what, Chris, what you're describing of one man standing up against impossible odds. It's Uh a true underdog story. It is. So if you were to do that, if you, Chris Gallagher were to go up against Disney, you'd kind of be like Rocky. Do you you think I could sell those rights to to Disney? Then like, (laughs) 15 years later. Yeah, exactly. As they make, you are the modern, actually, that is what the modern Rocky is, is a single nerd standing up against uh, the entire uh, geek infrastructure. Uh-huh. So actually, that's something maybe we need to write. But uh, until then, why don't you all stick around as we pit Rocky versus Raging Bull, two essential films, which is more essentialier? Find out coming up next. Rocky, do you believe that America is the land of opportunity? Yeah. I'll break both your arms so they don't work for you. He's every man who ever settled for something less. What am I, Brian, Nick? At least you have, Brian. Hey, 
had no bad eye or nothing. I want to get that. I want to get that. Terrific. I mean, you could be a heartbreak. You walk down the street breaking hearts the way you're looking. Very sharp. He's the man who never had a chance until now. Rocky. His whole life was a million to one shot. His name is Sylvester Stallone, but you will always remember him as Rocky. If there were a Hall of Fame for the greatest sports movies of all time, number one and number two would be Rocky and Raging Bull. Or would it be Raging Bull and Rocky? Wonderful question, Chris. And today, you and I will answer that query in our inaugural Civil War debate. In Civil War, Chris and I pit two essential films against each other to determine which is essentialier. And make no mistake, Rocky and Raging Bull are both essential films. Let's start with Rocky. To understand the significance of Rocky, consider the films that beat for Best Picture in 1977, Network, All the President's Men, and Martin Scorsese's own Taxi Driver. Masterpieces all, but none knocked out the American public quite like Rocky. At the risk of hyperbole, this classic underdog story helped change the cultural conversation, away from the nihilistic new Hollywood cynicism, to more morning in America Reagan-era optimism. It also paved the way for its competitor today, Raging Bull. Martin Scorsese literally thought he would never direct a movie again, when his buddy Bob De Niro visited his hospital bed, bringing with him the biography of tortured titan of the ring, Jake LaMotta. Originally not interested in directing a boxing picture, Scorsese eventually saw in LaMotta a kindred spirit, a damaged soul who just couldn't stop destroying himself and hurting the ones he loved. Raging Bull lost the Oscar to Robert Redford's saccharine ordinary people. But while it lost the round, it won the fight, becoming a certifiable all-time heavyweight champion of the cinema. A battle between Rocky and Raging Bull is important, because it forces us to question what matters most when determining a movie's ultimate legacy. Rocky is clearly the more culturally significant film, while Raging Bull is likewise obviously the greater piece of cinematic art. Rocky makes your heart beat and your pulse pound. Raging Bull makes your brain ponder and your soul ache. But which is more important to making a film essential? Full disclosure, Rocky is one of my five favorite movies. Yet on the flip side, Martin Scorsese is one of my five favorite directors. So personally speaking, choosing between the two will be difficult. We'll begin Civil War by quickly critiquing both films, and then square them off against each other. So round one. Chris, when did you first see Rocky, and what was your reaction? Also, are you ready to eat lightning and crap thunder, in so doing, becoming a very dangerous person? Okay, so... Um confession rocky was a war crime for me up until oh i think it was four or five years ago if you were to say recently that's there's some war crimes that i think qualify for death penalty and that may have been one um i'm i i I, I, this is going to be a really tough conversation um I don't like Rocky. You so I you flat out dislike it. I I really kind of do, and it was only on the second. It was only on the second viewing that I really came to that conclusion. Like I, when you suggested this initially, I was like, yeah, well, okay, I'll um I'll go back and and rewatch Rocky, and expecting that like I'm gonna get more out of it. And for some, well, for a lot of reasons, I. I really uh, found myself pushing away from it more the second time. Now, second question. 
are you an unhappy person? Is there something <laughs> is there something psychologically flawed with you that you want to expose on this show? Um, maybe maybe Were later. Were you beaten not. as a child? <laughs> no, it's. You know, it, perhaps by a Russian. It's it's a few things. It's uh, you know, obviously, I mean, you you list off it beat you know it beat network it beat taxi driver, um, in uh and and uh all the president's men all great films all films that I personally would say are better films than Rocky. Like I love the I love the narrative of Rocky. I love the narrative of both both like the film itself and the life of the film. You know, as far as an underdog story, but. I just, I find it really inaccessible to me, like, which is a weird thing to say for like such a populist film. Well, wait, this, despite the fact that you are a Rocky of sorts, given your stand against Disney, Walt Disney Corporation, (laughs) you cannot relate to it. Well, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm I'm an Apollo Creed. I don't know because I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I, I feel, I feel bad about it. I brought this up to Jake uh, after watching it and I was like, Rocky's not really a great movie. And he said this, he was like, you know, one of my top five or 10 movies of all time for him. So I'm like, I'm very interested to see, you know, if, if we get any listener feedback, what they're going to say, if I'm the only person in this camp or. Well, it depends. If, 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 I, if I say definitively that Rocky's better than Raging Bull and I flush Raging Bull down the toilet, then that's what the story's going to be about. <laughs> but right yeah. now, no, right. And right now the hate mail, I think is heading your way. Yeah, no, I think so. And I mean, I guess bring it on because I like, as much as I, as much as I would love to say that, you know, I, I love the scrappiness of this movie. I really, I really don't like it's, um, let's start with, let's start with the titular character, Rocky. He makes me itchy. Like watching Rocky makes me itchy. And I, I think I could honestly say the same thing about Jake LaMotta, except Rocky is someone who we're supposed to like, right? I'm not sure what you mean by itchy. Like, let's 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 describe the feeling um, first. It, it's it's um to to borrow a phrase from a friend. Watching Rocky tastes like Velcro. See, you just you you took a, a difficult to comprehend metaphor exactly. and explained it with another difficult to exactly. comprehend metaphor. No, okay, what I what I mean, like if I can actually like try to place this in a in a in a place, um, it it, it kind of like I never watched The American Office. Because I cannot watch The American Office because it makes me feel itchy. Michael Scott is a character that I cannot deal with. And it's different. Because of his awkwardness? Okay, okay. So we're talking about Michael Scott. What makes what makes Rocky unpleasant to watch, the, the character? Um, I don't know. The main, like, overarching thing I would say is probably just his – I mean, he is supposed to be the everyman, right? Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be, like – the guy that you can relate to as the underdog. And I just never can like he actually I'll, I'll tell you like the one place that really bothered me the first time. And I was interested to see like how I would react to it a second time knowing, knowing it was coming. And it's still like, it's the thing that like really tears everything apart for me. It's the scene where he invites Adrian into his apartment. Okay. Actually I was going to, I was wanting us to talk about that because Particularly to modern viewers, that's going to be quite uncomfortable. It's it's so uncomfortable if you put yourself in her shoes at all. And I mean, it, from the the standpoint of, um, you know, like it's it's super creepy. It's super creepy. Here's the thing: is and I'm not I'm not excusing it because it, as you said, it is creepy. But I think at the time, the thinking is, and, and mind you, this is this is 
pretty superficial in hindsight is that at the time she's supposed to be oh she's just really shy and she just and needs that's and that's exactly taken off and, and well and that's exactly what makes it even creepier is like it, <laughs> it exists as this because after that their relationship i i kind of like you know i mm-hmm. i don't mind it at all um but for that to be the turning point that turns her from i mean because she's really she's a very two-dimensional character up until that point it's it's she is shy like beyond just like oh hey i have trouble like talking to people but like I am a 30-year-old child. Well, borderline autistic because I think how she'd be diagnosed today. And but but she's not really that way after that. Like after that scene, she totally opens up and she's, you know, she's shy, but she's normal human being shy. And so for that to be like the linchpin in like, oh, she went from being like paralyzed shy to like, you know, like she she might not talk a lot to you initially, but she'll warm up to you. Like it, it's like in uh in a TV show where, you know, m- maybe they have maybe they have 24 episodes and really they need 13. And so in that middle part, you get a character that is doing some weird things and they finally get them back on track. That's almost what it felt like is her character initially is not working for me and by the end she is here's um, my here's my thing i don't think you're going you're not going to be able to convince me i don't think i'm oh, be, I, so I, I don't i don't think i can convince we, you here we almost we would probably need to have a bonus episode because you and i have a <laughs> lot of territory to cover this episode uh-huh. we almost need a bonus episode of chris v hunter strictly on rocky i think we might Stric- need, strictly on the apartment st- scene. strictly on the apartment scene an hour of you two you and i talking about that so I'll just put it at this is, um, would you even argue even, so you, you don't care for it. Would you even say that it's an essential film? No, probably not. Okay. Honestly. So the ladies it's, and gentlemen, the I, very first civil war episode <laughs> is, is immediately DOA. I mean, it's, it, I, I didn't expect this to happen. I honestly didn't because I, I like in my recollection, it was like, yeah, there's some things that I have problems with and I didn't love it, but, um, you know, I, I I'm sure I'll warm up to it. The second time is what I really thought. Um, so I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be coming in here hating it, but I really just like. There's. I, Are look, you punch drunk? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, here's. <laughs> oh, well, actually, how about this? Because I was thinking of starting the conversation off this way. How do you feel about boxing, both the sport and then as a cinematic device? Um, I think it's as a sport. I don't know. I don't fully understand it. Like it's that's, a, that's almost that's exactly what Martin Scorsese said, except he said he didn't understand it. There yeah. wasn't even a modifier there. Like like there's there's a whole lot that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me as, as far as like that's a career. Like I understand like they're I, I'm not saying they're not athletes or they're not. But mm-hmm. it's like, but, but why? I heard I had a math teacher in high school who described it as the purest sport. And I think that's a pretty good way to describe boxing. But then if you really want to go that level, the purest sport is beating each other. The, with I bones. mean, the, the, yeah, that's what I was going to say. The pure sport, because it's just the most like primitive. Yeah, sort exactly. Of, I mean, I, I guess so. But uh, so to that, I mean, I it's not something that I'm like, oh, those those brutes. I can't understand. Like, or I hate like it just it's like it's like a new Indiana Jones movie. I just don't care. You just become um, different. Okay, well then, what about as a cinematic device? Uh, I think it works sometimes, but I think it's really overused as well. I it's mean, really about- overused, but I think that's because it's probably the most cinematic of the sports because it's two characters against each other versus a team. Okay, let's talk about that. And also, you know, a team like in football, they've got helmets or mm-hmm. hockey masks or whatever. Well, and, and so you can personalize. I'll, I can buy that. Yeah. But if you're going to talk about cinematic, like that's the that's the thing that also um, like 
next to my uncomfortable feelings about just the way Adrian is handled. Um, just the way that it, it functions. I, I think the most bravura shot in this entire film is the opening shot. You start on mm-hmm, that, right. that painting of Jesus and you pull out to reveal a boxing ring camera comes out of the boxing ring, goes back. And then you never go back inside that boxing ring again. Like it's just, they shot all the boxing and there's not a whole lot of boxing in this movie. They shot Which all the surprised boxing. surprised me going around seeing this again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, but they shoot it all just in coverage. It doesn't seem to be. They, they get in the rain a little bit during the Apollo Rocky fight, but by and large, you're right. It is mostly outside. But, the ropes. but even that's with like long lenses where they're, you know, they're from afar. And which is something that, you know, Scorsese does in Raging Bull. And we can talk about that later. But um, it, it just I always felt kind of removed. And it was, you know, seeing that opening shot, which I didn't remember. I was like, oh, damn, this is this may actually be, you know, more vibrant you know in visual flourishes that i recall and then it's basically i mean there's there's a few places there's i love you know in the the montage is amazing just it's great the quintessential montage yeah Yeah. i mean it's it is really good um and the the shot that i always think of is the shot where he's running um on like at the docks and then he starts running a little harder and just the way that that like and then the boat kinetic I mean, yeah motion kicks in is just accidents. really good really really great stuff but there's not enough of that in this movie for me you know um okay we talked i think we've talked enough about you've you've demonstrated your opinion i thought <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will I'll, I'll, I'll say about rocky before we get to raging bull is the reason i love rocky so much and i loved it even more this time than i have previous is i really get into the the capra-esque kind of storytelling what i like mm-hmm. about this is it's it's an underdog story which it's not a genre but it's a storytelling type which is probably my favorite and you take that and then you also supply it, which we'll talk about later, with some really vibrant, colorful characters. I would say that every character, every main character in this borders on iconic. Even if you can make the argument that they are cliche, you know their names. Even if you've never seen this movie, you know their names, you know their personality. Yeah, and I think that's significant like, to me. I don't know. I the, the And that's a... I just... I don't love Polly. I don't love... Uh, Adrian, Adrian warms up to surely, me. Surely you love Mickey. Um, Mickey, Mickey's pretty great. I mean, he does, he's not given a whole lot. And so with that, he's, um, he's used sparingly and, and he continues to evolve. Polly is just sort of a dirt bag. Right. Always. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, in that, I guess, honestly, I kind of attached to Adrian the most. And so the way that he treats her really. Actually, I think there may be a reason for that. Here's your first trivia bomb of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know who Talia Shire is? Uh, Jason Schwartzman's mother. Right, exactly. And Francis Ford Coppola's uh, sister. So, yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe that's what it is. Um, And and so maybe, maybe you're right. But um, I mean, I honestly, I wish I agreed with you on this, but I just, I, I don't, I don't know when, let me ask this. When did you first see Rocky? Is this a, um, I, I first saw Rocky start to finish probably t- hmm, 15 years ago. However, I think the one I saw before that, as most people did, I believe was Rocky four. Rocky four is that Russian mm-hmm. Ivan Drago. Okay. Who, spoiler alert for a movie in 1985 killed, uh, 
Apollo Creed. Right. And and I know, yeah, see, I know like see, the but basic the, and, beats, and see, and that's, that's that. cool. It's just, I, I love, this is an American mythology is even if the, particularly three and four and five are bad movies, we know the mythology. I, I have a question for you about Rocky as a character, because um, watching it again, I remember why, like I was not really that excited to ever like visit the other Rocky movies. And that's because I don't really, I really don't like this character. I don't like, there's nothing that I latch onto that. I see, like I, as the underdog, I kind of don't see, root I, for <laughs> like, I like, I think you I were think, rooting for Apollo Creed. I think Carl Weathers as Apollo Creed is a much better. Actually, character. That's interesting because I was listening to an interview with Ryan Coogler who directed Creed and it was on Elvis Mitchell's show. Oh yeah. And apparently the, uh, the black community always really, latched onto Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed's a great character. No, he's, yeah. He's, he's a businessman before he's a boxer, really. I mean, he's always thinking about how do I capitalize on, on this? How do I turn this? How do I turn, you know, a a boxer falling out into actually a windfall by, you know, presenting Mm -hmm. it as, you know, he's advertising. It's, he's a great character. He's a more well-rounded character, in my opinion, than Rocky is. Well, and, and kudos to Carl Weathers. I disagree that he's more well-rounded, but at the same time, I I absolutely love Apollo Creed. So let me ask you this question about Rocky. Does he remain this sort of like, uh, I, I don't even know. I I don't want to. I don't want to get offensive. I, I, well, here's what here's this. what I, here's what I like about him is one you've got you've got the quintessential underdog character. But let me put it this way: much like with Fargo, is Fargo is the quintessential detective story. But at the center, the brilliant detective is a pregnant mm-hmm. uh, midwesterner. In the same way, Rocky is the quintessential underdog story. But in the middle is just this really gentle, sweet, clever kind of commentator on How life. How clever is he, though? I, lines like, uh, what was it? Lines like, uh, um, you know, if you two could sing a dance, I wouldn't have to do this. Talking to his turtles. That's uh, that's actually what Aaron Winkler, I was watching a documentary, he said that, or excuse me, John Alvinson, the director, he said is he didn't want to do a boxing picture, but then on the third page, Rocky's talking to his turtles <laughs> and his goldfish. I love that, you know, and then he refers to the birds as they like flying candy. And then he's telling dad jokes. I mean, maybe that's the thing. He's just this dad character. May, may, he thinks he's a dad character, but like, I mean, the girl, the little girl who he, he walks <laughs> home, like, screw you, creepo. Yeah. <laughs> See, a, I love the language. That's, that, and that's that another is, thing is watching it again. I love the language. But okay, you and I are going to wind fair. up talking a whole lot about Rocky. I think maybe you need to give it six months to a year and go back. I'll, I'll try it. Or, or you and I will sit there and we'll comment I mean, on it. Here's, here's the other thing that I just like that doesn't work at all for me is it's a really poorly made movie. Really poorly made movie. As far as editing. As and far cin- as editing, cinematography, everything, particularly editing, which, you know, I have. I mean, as an editor, I have a sensitivity to. But there are a number of scenes where just the audio edits are, I don't know if they hadn't invented the J cut yet or, or what's going on, but like the, they'll go from a wide to a tight right in the middle of someone speaking and they won't stay with the soundtrack of, um, mm-hmm. you know, where they started. And so you get this, this weird jump, like particularly um, I think they're in the hallway of Polly's house and Rocky and him are, going back and forth. There's, there's some really, really bad edits that just totally take me. And, and I get, you know, this was a kind of, it, it's an underdog movie. It's a cheaply made, made yeah. independent. So 
I I can give it a little bit of that, but like it's it is a pretty poorly made movie. If here's here's my thing is while I can say oh, that's navel gazing, but on the flip side, I can also say that if you were enjoying yourself, you wouldn't have necessarily noticed that yeah, stuff. You know, yeah, and and I mean at the same time, as I'm as I'm like noticing all of these things, I'm thinking like this movie beat Taxi Driver. This movie. Beat Taxi Driver. Well, I mean, uh, what's his face? Uh, Sidney Lumet said, "Boo, Rocky." Here's my, here's my uh, in defense of that is how do you choose between Network and Taxi Driver and all the presence men? I'm not big on all the presence men, but how do you choose between those? Because they all come from the same place, whereas Rocky came from a very mm. different place. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that they're all a slice of the cynical pie. Yeah, but they're not. I I don't think they're coming from necess- They're they're. I mean, I I think. Like if you want to look at network and all the president's men as two peas in a pod, that's a bit of a closer relation than taxi driver. Taxi driver, I agree, is it's a dark movie. It's a as you I think use nihilist sort of film, but it's I I think it is distinctly different from those two. And I honestly I like all three of those those films to varying degrees. Um, taxi driver is one that like taxi driver is a movie that every time I go back and revisit it. I think I like it more. Like it is there. There's even more that I take out of it. And that's what I was hoping for. Well, that's a delightful transition because taxi driver is actually my favorite Martin Scorsese. I'm not going to say it's necessarily his best, but it's my favorite. So how, how much do you like raging bull? Um, raging bull is, I, I would put it lower high Scorsese. <laughs> it's a real qualifier there, right? Um, it's, I think, think, I think where I, that would put it. Well, I think it's in his masterpieces, but it's for personal reasons more than anything. It's lower than some of uh, something like taxi driver, something like Goodfellas, something like even the departed. Honestly, so, do you, so a, then would you argue with the, um, I hate the word consensus, but would you argue with the critical cons- consensus that says this is his best movie? Uh, I'm, and where do you think that comes from? I mean, I, I think that's a really weird, rough, loaded question, honestly, because it's it's a uh, question of a lot of things. I think I think it marks a turning point for Scorsese, for Scorsese's career. Um, I think it's a culmination for him in a lot of technical aspects in, you know, what he's doing with the camera, what he's doing with editing. This is the first film. I mean, I guess since Who's That Knocking at My Door that he did with uh Thelma Schumacher, Schumacher, as they say in the the commentary. Mrs. Powell. Yeah, Mrs. Powell. Um, And I think she really brings something to Scorsese's movies that um, he may have had before, but she really heightens it, ratchets, ratchets it up. I mean, once again, as an editor, like this movie appeals to me so much more just from a editorial standpoint of all the amazing, tightly, uh, uh, edited, composed, you know, eye candy of, of these multiple boxing matches. Um, so it's, I, I mean, here's the thing is I don't think it's, in my opinion, it's not as best, but I can see the argument for sure, because I think it, it is a kind of a road marker in like where he has gone with his career ever since. All right. Fair enough. Um, I actually, it, it's one of those things I'm, I'm of two minds about it because I can see why, where it's his masterpiece or considered his masterpiece, even though, like I said a second ago, my favorite is Taxi Driver. Watching this again, unlike with Rocky, and I think with Rocky, you and I will just have to sit down sometime and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, and we'll, go we'll be we'll have, to, we'll have to have like a six. Actually, of honestly, Google. I would be happy to do a, a what seven film Rocky uh, marathon <laughs> with you. But uh, rather than do that on Rocky right now, I'll just say that Rocky watching Rocky again this past weekend 
there was more to it than I had remembered. I'd seen things that I hadn't seen before. With Raging Bull, it was actually the opposite. It wasn't as much fun to watch this time. I'm not. Hmm. I, it didn't really feel like it had a whole lot of secrets hidden in it. You mentioned with Taxi Driver, it's like seeing it for the first time, and you're always mm-hmm. finding something new. I didn't get that this time with Raging Bull. Um, I see. I, I feel like I do, and it's. Uh, I don't. My. I honestly. I mean, if you want to compare, like Jake LaMotta makes me kind of itchy too. But here's supposed to. And and that's exactly that's exactly what I was about to say is there those characters are very similar to me, but I'm not supposed to be relating to Jake LaMotta. You know, he's he is a repugnant. Character. Actually, not necessarily. I mean, I think I would I would argue that Jake LaMotta, maybe you're supposed to not necessarily. I, I, think, relate, I think it humanizes him, but that's different than being a avatar for the viewer. I think it's I think it's more we're seeing in his anger and his violence our own potential for those things. It's just far more exaggerated because not to get on a, a Rocky comparison, but Rocky Rocky is just as much commentary on the media and marketing and advertising mm-hmm. in many ways through the Apollo Creed character. This is more meditation on b- boxing as violence. Rocky is boxing as uh, sport and boxing as kind of this American this American marketing iconography, mm-hmm. whereas this is boxing as an analogy for violence. Wow, that's a, an overarching analogy for this, violence. This probably isn't a surprise to you, but we see these movies in completely different. Like, because I, I honestly kind of feel like Rocky is a Rocky is a movie at its core about boxing, like fundamentally the underdog boxing story that doesn't have a whole lot of boxing in it. Like, it ironically, has, yeah. it has a match at the beginning and a match at the end, and a little bit of training in between, but a lot of. Um, a lot of handshaking and a lot of, you know, trying to woo a girl and that sort of thing. And, and it has like as as much as, as it is like a, a morning in America sort of Reagan era feeling to it. It it also does feel sort of like a 70s cinema film, like in the structure of it. Right. Uh, Raging Bull, on on the other hand, is a movie that's littered with I don't know how many matches there are total, but littered with matches. But. I don't think it's really, you know, it's not really about boxing. It's about, it's about a character. It's about a, a person who never like is always sort of mentally beating themselves up. And, uh, you know, Jake Lamont is always, um, sort of, even, even when he's at his, his height, he's finding a way to say, Oh no, well, I'm, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I'm, you know, uh, break himself down. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, also about like once he finally gets the title sort of this figure who all he was driven by was well i'm better than everyone else once he was told he's better than everyone else he kind of falls apart you know it's it's not i like i don't think it's about the sport of boxing i think it's about the sport of boxing is used as a catalyst for the character see i view it in not necessarily this isn't necessarily contradictory uh, once again, I see that this is a person who is in a place that Martin Scorsese recognizes. He probably knew a Jake LaMotta. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows those people. And so this is a person much well, like Joe yeah. much like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas, much like Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver, is he expresses himself through violence. And so this is just another chapter in Martin Scorsese's almost career-length uh, dialogue about violence. Mm-hmm. And so boxing is not- how, how he how, – where he funnels that violence. 
I mean, I and his violent personality. Yeah, but I. But does that make it about boxing? No, I no. Actually, no. I agree with you on that. Is I would say Rocky's more of a boxing movie, and then Raging Bull's more a movie about a boxer. So when you when you say his violence, like you mean Scorsese's violence? What? Well, what do you not, mean? well, his actually maybe because I, do, I, I mean, mean maybe. Do, do, do you think? Do you think he is a violent? I don't think he. Well, I mean, have you ever read uh, Easy Rider? Raging I, Bull? I have not. Okay, well, it's not that he's violent certainly to a Jake LaMotta perspective but I think that there is that inclination in him mm-hmm. even if it's not ever been it certainly expressed to that extent and so I think throughout his films he's coming face to face he's standing a mirror up to himself in many ways okay. and so once I'll, again I'll like, I, yeah, one, like I, mean, I said in the uh, in the opening is he saw a kindred spirit ultimately in Jake LaMotta I I like but I don't think it's a one to one either you know I don't think no, I don't no, think, not one-to-one, I don't but, think you know because as I said, like I don't think Jake LaMotta is our avatar. I don't think he's Scorsese's avatar either, but I definitely there's some crossover there that that you can definitely feel. I mean, especially if you look at his career um, you know, leading up to and then following Raging Bull. There there are definitely uh things echoed. I mean, what one thing this time around, this last time I watched it, um that really struck me with this is how much uh, Raging Bull makes some of his later films feel derivative. Um, that I, the, the you know, films that I've seen mm-hmm. more of, like, like something like, uh, um, Goodfellas or Wolf of Wall Street more recently, like just in the, he had a wife and then he, uh, gets rid of that wife for the younger, prettier. Now, do you, th- do you, did you say this makes Raging Bull feel derivative? Just in, well, no, as it a makes, consequence. Make, makes the other feel, films feel mm-hmm. derivative. Yeah. Um, as, as a, you know, things that I, you know, like about his other films where it's like, oh, but because Raging Bull is not one that I go back and revisit nearly as much as something like, I mean, there was a, there was a time when I would watch Goodfellas like every, I don't know, six months or so. Now, is there a reason for that with Raging Bull? Um, I think it's, I, I think part of it's, it's a tough sit for me. I mean, the LaMotta character is not a character that I like. And so it's a, you know, I have to be really ready to. Um, and, and his brother, Joey as well, like those, those two, I think they have an interesting dynamic, but they're not necessarily what I always want to do on a Saturday afternoon. Well, and to that point, cause I, I felt this way watching a little bit is even if it is an essential film, even if it is a masterpiece, it's not very fun to watch. Do you like Raging Bull? Does, and does that make yeah. sense? The distinction I'm making? Yeah, no, I, I understand. And I, I do, I think, um, on first viewing, which was probably, I don't think I saw Raging Bull until maybe college. Um, on first viewing, I thought it was a little, I, I thought it was overrated. You know, I thought it was um, decent, but I had certainly seen better Scorsese movies at that time um, in in my mind. And um, it's still, I mean, it's still one. I mean, the last time I watched it, my wife watched it with me and she was just hated it. I mean, she was like, it's just, it's just a bunch of bad people doing and saying bad things for two hours. And uh, you know, just being a bunch of assholes, like mm-hmm. that's, and, and it's not very accessible. No. It's, it's not. And that's, I, I think that makes it even more interesting that now it is a critically, you know, acclaimed sort of film. It's as, uh, as you put in the script, I think AFI has it at number four, which it rose from number, I think 24, it, it was in its twenties yeah. uh, to four on the AFI top 100 list. So it's actually, a, you know, getting, um, getting higher in, in the mind of the collective mind of, you know, at least some in, in a cinematic conversation, uh, which I find interesting because, uh, from what I understand, it was sort of at the time, um, not 
totally panned, but it was sort of lukewarm. Like some critics really liked it and enjoyed it. Other critics just didn't understand even why or what it was. Well, and again, and, and it audiences the, as well. Yeah, and, and then once again, it lost the Oscar to uh, Ordinary People, which mm. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's just it's what you would expect. It's Oscar bait. But it is also interesting. It was ranked as the best movie of the 80s by – I can't remember the Critics Association, but it wasn't you know something illegitimate. It was mm. a reputable organization said this is the best movies of the 80s. The, the Tulsa Film Critics yes, Association. Yes, exactly. Um, so, okay, well, then to that point, do you think it's the best movie of the 80s? Is it better than Raiders and E.T. and I mean, et cetera, et cetera? Let's, let's qualify this. Do we mean favorite or unequivocally the latter. best? Um uh, I don't know. I mean, and you know, like I kind of lump it in as the last film of the seventies, really like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, it doesn't really fit in with eighties films. And so to compare it to, um, other eighties films, um, it's weird and tough. It feels like, like they're from different neighborhoods, you know, like, um, and, and when I, when you ask the question, my instant thought like goes to trying to, I wasn't even thinking, you know, Raiders or ET or, um, or what have you, I was thinking like, oh, well, I, I mean like, okay, let's think about like the thing and Videodrome and, um, some, you know, darker yeah, exactly. sort of, sort of fair. Cause um, it seems so out of the conversation with ET and Raiders. Yeah, it, exactly. And so I, that's a, that's a tough, a tough question that I, I'm not willing to answer. The correct answer is best at film of the eighties is back to the future part two. Oh <laughs> so that, boy. That's clearly the, the best answer. Okay. Uh, final question before we take a quick break, would you at least when traveling to, uh, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, would you at least run up the steps of the yeah, no, National, I, National I, History Museum? I, I think you kind of have to. And like I said, I, I like that moment. I think that is a it, that is a great cinematic flourish that the film doesn't quite have enough of. And well, and we'll talk about that in other moments and then also Raging Bull. So um, our, our first Civil War debate is not exactly what we hoped it would be. We promise future Civil War debates. Well, we are. A, we are. This is not what we planned, but we ourselves are having a bit of a Civil yes, War Yes, it right is now. actually. Uh, yes, it is a Civil War. But um, we're going to take a real quick break here, folks. And then we come back, we are going to compare Rocky to Raging Bull. So stick around. Listen with him. Why does he have to make it so hard on himself? If 
you beat Sugar Ray, you'll get a shot at the title. You feel that way? There's no one else around who wants to fight me. They're all afraid. There's a lot of bad things, Joey. Maybe it's coming back to me. All right, so this is going to be a boxing match that might be a little anticlimactic because I think we already know how the fight's going to conclude, but that's fine. Um, Chris and I still enjoy talking about these things. So we just got done reviewing Rocky and Raging Bull individually. Now we're going to pit them against each other in the titular Civil War. And so we've got a few parameters here that we're going to talk about. So I think we should start with the big one, the, the lead actors. I have... Sylvester Stallone versus Robert De Niro, and the way I describe the two is with Sylvester Stallone and Rocky, it's a star-making role versus Robert De Niro in cementing a legacy. Um, even though it obviously did make him a star, Sylvester Stallone, do you think that was warranted? Ew, no. Well, because what? Okay, well here's what's interesting. I mean, I, I've seen and liked Stallone better in other films. Like, you know, like, uh, don't shoot or stop or mom will shoot or no, what was it? <laughs> no, no. Um, that's not the one. I mean, like, like, I mean, even, uh, first blood, mm-hmm. which I, that's a movie. I was just thinking about this the other day. I probably, when I was watching Rocky, like, I don't know if I've ever seen like all of first blood, but I've seen all of first blood. You know what I mean? Not um, necessarily. It's, it's, it's not, uh, quite the, well, no, I mean like I've watched it vicariously through oh, you know, okay. TNT or whatever on a Saturday afternoon. Right. You've seen the of, end and then you've seen the middle. And yeah. The like, um, and, and I think like he's more interesting and compelling there as just as an actor and as a character, um, which I mean, comparing the two, it, it it's whatever, but, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it is a star making performance because it's a, you know, someone does a Rocky impersonation, you know, they're doing a Rocky impersonation mm-hmm. or, you know, it has, it has that iconic, um, sort quality of quality to it. To it. Well, exactly. he famously said that, well, cause he of course wrote the script. He famously said that he would bury it in his backyard and let the worms play the parts. If anyone else played it in particular, they were really pushing for James Caan. So James Caan is Rocky. James James Caan is Rocky seems like a very such a safe like casting call at that point, but it would have been like a dime a dozen uh, like forties boxing movie. Okay, then to that point, do you think? Do you th- okay? How about this? Do you think it was Sylvester Stallone's performance that elevated Rocky at least in the culture perspective, or do you think it was his narrative of him being an underdog, or both? Mm, I don't think the narrative is that strong. Well, so, well, no, I mean his personal narrative, him personally oh, being a Rocky like figure. Um, I mean, maybe I, I, I think I think he plays the character well where I have a problem is who the character is like he. And, and so I I was kind of trying to ask this earlier, but this is the perfect place to do it because we didn't really get get to the answer, the meat of it. Like, does he remain a simpleton throughout the entire series? Like is let, let me ask this. Is Rocky Balboa in creed can you tell that it's the same characters you get in this first rocky movie i would say that there's consistency the most consistency is between one and two and then rocky balboa which is the sixth which came out in 2006 and then creed there's consistency between that there have been seven there's been seven if you count if you say creed as a sequel and not a spinoff i thought rocky balboa was the fifth sixth there's there's rock holy crap there are more rocky movies than i what is Okay, so so you've got sorry, sorry to derail, but Drogo. You want in, me to go through four. real quick? What, well, what is five? What happens in five? Five is, is five Mister T. Uh, here's here's some another trivia bomb for you. Trivia five bomb. is he goes against Tommy the Machine Gun, 
who his name escapes me right now, but is actually played by an Oklahoman. Really? Yeah. And Gary the, Busey? Is yeah, it Gary? Exactly. Please say it's Gary Busey. <laughs> I wouldn't have forgotten that. <laughs> um, but, and then his uh, Tommy the Machine Guns manager is played by George Washington Duke, who uh, I, I just, I'm, I have to do it. Sorry, folks. Rocky Balboa. People who've seen Rocky Five will appreciate that. Okay. okay. How about that, at least, is Sylvester Stallone is very gifted at coming up with character names. Would you at least acknowledge that? Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, I mean, I, I guess you, Paulie's not that interesting, but it also feels like a guy from the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, uh, so, I mean, if we're if we're going one against another, and I, you know, I feel bad because I feel like I should, like, at least throw a turn in here somewhere but i gotta go with i gotta go with de niro who we haven't talked about at all here like which is actually yeah interesting because i would say that raging bull there are two stars of raging bull martin scorsese and robert de niro i would say there's more than that but i think we'll we'll, we can expand upon this a little later Mm -hmm. in in another another segment the thing that i i find really remarkable about de niro is i mean there's a lot that was put on his back and Joe Pesci's back with the improv that they did. Like they, they had a script, but they were also given opportunity to sort of just take things where, where they go. And um, in watching to prepare for it this time, I uh, took an opportunity that I, I like to take, but I often don't. And um, actually watched with the commentary. Um, Cause I had, I had recently seen it within the past, like two or three months. And so I, I watched with the commentary. It was uh, Scorsese and, uh, Schumacher or Schumacher, as they, they seem to say in this commentary and, uh, kind of going back and forth talking about, they're not in the same room because it's commentary. I think before, like they figured out commentary, Mm -hmm. but, um, one of the things that Thelma Schumacher talks about quite a bit is how much uh, De Niro really makes the character and makes, and kind of drives the film in the, um, by that point they sort of had a relationship, uh, between, Martin Scorsese and, and De Niro. And, um, and it really, you know, it bred that relationship that has become the epic collaboration, the 1.0 that then DiCaprio has become sort of the 2.0 with, with Scorsese. But, um, you know, it feels like he's really as much a storyteller in the narrative of it as, as Scorsese is. It's as personal to him as, as a, you know, a guy who's a bit of a method actor. And so getting into... Well, and I think that uh, Raging Bull might have been unique in that regard, because even though he's a method actor, invests fully in all of his characters, this was a picture that he brought to Martin Scorsese. This was a mm-hmm. movie he wanted well, to make. And, and he was firm on the dedication of actually gaining the weight when LaMotta gets old and fat. Um, I mean, that that's one of those, because to let's, let's go ahead and, because I can't resist, tie it into my favorite film of all time, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. Um, there's a story that's been told several times um, in relation to to both films that uh, famously De Niro asked, uh, or I guess maybe infamously De Niro asked Michael Powell, uh, how did you pull off the sort of transformation of Roger Livesey? And uh, what they did with Blimp is they basically used a body double from behind for most of it and then just sort of a little bit of makeup and, and then uh, Roger Livesey just carrying himself differently. Well, De Niro actually went and put on the weight, you know, spent, uh, I think, I think Schumacher said like three months they took off for him to put on, uh, the extra pounds. Yeah, and obviously, off, yeah, he went off to Italy with the express purpose of getting fat, which that yeah. must be a nice way to make a living. Well, it, it sounded like it actually got exhausting. After well, a while. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and he puts on a belly, obviously there's, there's some makeup on the face and that sort of thing, but it, it, you can, it, there's something so visceral about seeing this guy who was in peak physical condition for the boxing scenes, then like 
walking around with his shirt open, or there's there's that scene where he's on, on at the payphone. Yeah, I was just, kind of yeah, down low, and his belly's yeah, hanging it's out. Disgusting. He's and like a human like, toad. That is some dedication, man. Um, well, no vanity, certainly. Yeah. But at the same time, and I'm not necessarily implying that this was a vain decision, but in his kind of acting generation doing something like that could be interpreted as vain because exposing yourself i mean you know actor types but anyway you're you're always looking for the 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 alternative but um okay so clearly robert de niro is the better actor Mm -hmm. but would you say that raging bull then would it stand out that much from his other work um i mean i i think so i think it's it's at least when you when you say you know, do a Robert De Niro impersonation. Probably the first thing they're going to do is taxi driver. Are you talking to me? I think the second thing they're going to do is you f- my wife. No, you, I know we did that in kindergarten. You, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I think it is iconic certainly not to the extent that Rocky is. I think um, it's, it's a, and maybe, I don't know, especially of our generation. I don't know how many people have seen uh, raging bull to be perfectly honest. Um, it, it feels like, one that's sort of fallen through the cracks. It's probably not in the same realm as like King of Comedy or New York, New York, as far as Scorsese as movies far as, go. Yeah. But it's it's probably lower in the, you know, as, as far as the order in which, um, you know, our peers see Well, it. and I think there's something to be said about that that's probably a bigger conversation than you and I want to have right now, just because I would say that Taxi Driver is probably the more relevant and there's just so much anger and mm-hmm. isolation and hate in Taxi Driver as compared to Raging Bull. Yeah. And so I think, like I said, that's probably a bigger conversation than we want to get into right now. Um, well, and uh, we can we can move on, but I just want to like to to add on to that. I think Raging Bull is sort of a solipsistic sort of film, and whereas Taxi Driver, it's it's many things. It is, as you said, angry and and cynical, and you know it, it has those qualities to it. But it's not. I don't think it is that solipsistic. You know, looking at that Travis Bickle character doesn't have that capacity. To, uh, I, and you know, not to talk about texture, but I actually disagree. I think it, again, it says more about us. I think we're, our generation and proceeding and succeeding just before and just after just relate more to Travis Bickle than we do to Jake LaMotta. I think it says more ooh, about that, us than that's the film. creepy. <laughs> I, I, it is, so? it is, but I think so. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 ooh. Yeah. Let's just back, mark this okay, in back another. To, back to Rocky and, uh, uh, and Raging Bull. Um, this might be cheating a little, but I would side with you know, Sylvester Stallone on this one because Robert De Niro got a gold statue. Uh, Sylvester Stallone had a statue built of him. So I think that that might give the, I think I would give it to Sylvester Stallone. And, and you know, that, that totally makes sense though, because it's a, it's a movie of the people. So his statue is for the people. Absolutely. And, and actually a brilliant, brilliant line in Rocky five is hey, now the pigeons will always have a place to sit. <laughs> so it's for the people and the pigeons. Uh-huh. All right. So up next we have action filmmaking and it's Rocky, which is more of a cinema verite mixed with iconography style versus the violent poetry you find in Raging Bull. Man, I, if, I mean, Raging Bull has a lot of, if you're going to throw around, you know, throw around terms like cinema verite, it's got a lot of that as uh, well. The film, but not necessarily the boxing, I don't think. Okay, so you're you're speaking specifically of specifically, the, yeah, we're specifically focusing in the rain. Oh man, I see. That's the one place where I wouldn't say because, like I said, I think Rocky does have, even though it doesn't feel like a '70s film, has a lot of that to it. I I would say the boxing is the one place where it doesn't, though. Like it doesn't feel 
Um, because cinema verte is a little bit voyeuristic, a little bit like this just feels like, well, we have to shoot these, these boxing mm-hmm. scenes. So let's set up uninspired. three or four or five cameras and then cut between a little them. bit, a little bit uninspired. And, um, so I, I, as I'm sure you will as well, I would side with raging bull on this. I think, yeah. I think that's, this is pretty much a clear victory. For well, and, bull. and it's a little, I guess it's probably a little bit unfair too, because as we said, there's not a whole lot of boxing in Rocky, which is sort of astonishing, like, because it's, you just, you think of it as a boxing movie and, um, there's only really those couple of scenes. So, uh, the versus you've got so much going on in Raging Bull and the, and the reason I think we have to give it to Raging Bull is every single boxing match is different. They filmed it differently. They edited it differently. They, you know, really Scorsese took each one and said, okay, well, what happens with, uh, where where does this stand in his career? How does this affect Jake LaMotta, the boxer, and the man as far as his his ego and those sorts of things? And then sort of found ways to feed into that. Like the second time he fights uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, which is probably the most famous of of the fight scenes, I mm-hmm. would say. Um, they you know they shot with really long. I think they said like six hundred millimeter lenses, which is super um, super long. And then had famously the uh, sort of fires in front of the camera. So you have just sort of that mirage coming up. And so you have really compressed these really compressed uh, um, images of, you know, as far as composition of depth and then uh, sort of, you can't really, nothing's super in focus. It's all sort of dreamlike, uh, which is a beautiful quality. You too. And, well, it's, it's citizen Kane like in that they clearly plan this out in advance mm-hmm. to try and get the effect they wanted you and I have shot movies before, and you and I both know that a lot of times you just have a script and you show up on set and you say, like, "Okay, mm-hmm. how are we going to film this?" Mm-hmm. That wasn't this. This was no, they knew what they and, wanted. Well, to my do. understanding is they had um, for every single fight they had a storyboard that they shot to the storyboard, and it may have changed by the time they get to editing, but they knew what they needed to tell that story, and then um, of, of that match, and then kind of pieced it together. Um, from there and and some of them you know they they extended in i can't remember which fight but they actually made the ring uh longer than it was wide and then shot with a wide angle lens as well so it feels very distorted you know the entire um idea that he's going for throughout these is getting inside lamada's head what is he feeling in each uh in each match whereas like rocky you really don't feel it you feel like a spectator right it's a yeah it's a psychological rain raging bull and just to give an idea of just how uh, how pertinent the the Raging Bull kind of style is. Of course, there's the famous scene wherever they're following Jake LaMotta from his dressing room mm-hmm. all the way out to the uh, arena. And I do camera work and things like that for the TU basketball game. And every single game, we follow the coaches out from the locker room out into the arena. And so we say, oh, he's going to do the Raging Bull. He's doing the Raging Bull that's, shot. That's great. That means that the life and death of Colonel Blimp is inspiring uh, you guys coming yeah, out. Well, is that what I need to say? Is that Yeah. You, you need, you need to say, need, no, guys. No, 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 no. This is, this is the dual scene from uh, life and death of Colonel Blimp, which really, I mean, Scorsese well, no, says no, that, that, that the, was... Not the, not the uh, dolly out. I mean, the, the follow behind. Right. But he says that that scene was inspired by the the uh by that um the the munich duel which it's it's sort of it's difficult to really compare to because says very, that about everything though but it, but he said he's been very i mean he said it in multiple places numerous oh times. well what i mean is he's just um, very very humble is if someone oh, says yeah, oh yeah. You're, you're such a genius he'll say i'm just 
you know, I'm just, I got this, I see a lot of movies. Yeah. I, uh, well, and, and what, I mean, what I think it is, is it's, he was inspired by it and he didn't, he didn't remake it. He did. He doesn't even really pay homage to it. He just used it as a like, uh, okay. Instead of, you know, we're doing these, these boxing matches, but how can we get more out of it? Well, let's make it more about the interior life for a moment, because right. that's what that, that's what that duel is, is it's all about the little bits. So we get the actual travel out. So, um, even though I, as I said a moment ago, I would definitely side with Raging Bull on this. What is fascinating is I never really considered Rocky an innovative picture technically, but I'll actually, agree with that. well, well, no, but actually it was because the inventor of the Steadicam, whose name escapes me, but the inventor of the Steadicam was from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And so to demonstrate the capacity of his Steadicam, his girlfriend who became his wife, he followed her up and down the steps of the of the art museum mm. with the Steadicam going up and going down and then went to Hollywood to try and sell his Steadicam. And so one of the first directors who got a hold of that footage was John Alveson, John G. Alveson said, that's fantastic. How'd you do it? And so he hired that guy to be his, uh, to provide Steadicam operation. So Rocky was actually one of the first Steadicam pictures. <sighs> I'm you, just you're, saying, you're, how are you putting me to sleep with amazing technical facts, Hunter? I I like uh, it's Rocky. well his 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 girlfriend also had a fantastic butt so you should watch that the footage if if for no other reason than for that does does the footage footage actually exist somewhere you just uh, no yeah it's uh it's on the Rocky Collector's Edition DVD discussing the Steadicam but yeah so the Steadicam was not invented for Rocky but right. one of the first one of the first iterations of it okay so surely surely. You will give the uh, give the point to Rocky on this one. The score, the Rocky score versus the Raging Bull. Okay, um, I this is probably the toughest one for me of of everything that we've got laid out here, um, because the Rocky score is one of the best things about the entire film for me. Um, it's it's like that, and then the dog who's what's his, is his name Butkus? Yes, Butkus. <laughs> The score and buckets are probably my two favorite things in the entire film, and and uh, uh, Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed's just great. Um, the problem with Buckus is he's like they introduce him and they have a nice callback when she actually like brings him. She's like, "You can train with him." He he goes on one jog with that dog before he disappears. Buckus forever. doesn't get enough screen time. Um, maybe you know, maybe the turtles ate Buckus. I don't know, um, but uh, the score the score is very good. You've got you know just it's. You cannot divorce it from Rocky, and it has become a piece of of pop culture. On the other hand, you've got um, this very interesting, eclectic sort of um, soundtrack that Scorsese has put together with, you know, classical Italian um, music and, and pop music from the time and and whatnot. It's it's very, you know, it feels very personal in a way. It feels like. And probably mostly because it it was, you know, uh, uh, Thelma Schumacher talked about in the, in the commentary and like several of the songs were songs that, you know, he had just had in his psyche for 20, 30 years, you know, since he was a child and knew that they belonged somewhere and then figured out, oh, they belong here in this film. Um, that said, it's definitely not the best scored or, or the best soundtrack to that, it's really a soundtrack well and in many ways you could film. say well you could say that about scorsese in general as i was just thinking of this a second ago is except for taxi driver with bernard herman mm. there's really not a whole lot of iconic music because he's always using rock music he's not yeah it's not it's, really and, and that's what and and this is the same thing like it's it's still soundtrack it just happens to be 
uh, a lot of classical music. So it's, it feels like scoring. All right, even, I have backed you up not. in the corner and you are covering your face with both hands as I'm pummeling you from both sides. What it, come on. It, it, it's Rocky. Okay, thank you. It's Rocky. <laughs> thank I'll, you. I'll moving you, on, moving yeah. on. Okay. Okay, so uh, our final category is ensemble, the cast of Rocky versus the cast of Raging Bull. What say you? I've got, I have to go Raging Bull. I almost said Rocky. Um, I mean, it's... I think there's a little voice inside your head, the little angel on your shoulder. Yeah, I mean, uh, if if there was more Apollo Creed in Rocky, I would give it a little more, um, a little more thought. But it's really like, apart from Mickey and Apollo Creed and Buckus, like there aren't a lot of characters that I love. Like, and, and the thing with even Adrian, like as I identify with her, like... I don't like how she is, you know, uh, developed and presented as a character. Does that make sense? Um, whereas, and, and that said, there's not really, there's probably not really a character in Raging Bull that I identify with, but, um, there's just an amazing kinetic energy to so many of these performances from obviously Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci together. I mean, the, the scenes where they're just kind of bouncing off one another is amazing collaboration. And then, but the one that really steals the show for me is, uh, Kathy Moriarty as, um, Oh gosh, I forgot Vicky, Vicky LaMotta. Now you say she steals the show or you just are really impressed this go around. Um, a little bit. I mean, she still she steals a show like uh, Alden Ehrenreich steals a show in uh, Hail Caesar for me. Like every time she appears on screen, it's like, oh, this is going to get really good, really juicy. Um, I mean, obviously, she's it's not like she she's hamming it up, chewing the scenery and washing De Niro under the, the rug or anything. Right. But at the same time, there's some there's some amazing moments when, you know, there's a bit of that domestic violence when, you know, he busts through the, the bathroom door or uh, the, you know, moments like that where um, these really long takes between them and De Niro just being this tour de force, she's going toe to toe with him. Well, and which is what's especially impressive about that is that she was one and unknown until mm-hmm. a kid. She's 19, 18, yeah. 19. Yeah. Which I, I didn't know at the time. Like I, my, okay. Confession here. When I think of Kathy Moriarty, I think, and you, I, you may be in the same boat as me. I don't know. Like, because we, we share growing oh, yeah, up. Yeah. In the same. I, no, I, um, I think that you're going to, we're, we're holding this off as long as we can. Cause I, <laughs> people are listening right now with bated breath. Cause I think they're the, all going to agree with this. You, you think so? I I'm know. Not, I honestly I'm not do. Sure. I genuinely do. Um, but uh, Casper. Yeah. The, uh, well, what else has she been in? Uh, that's a good question. I could, I could tell you like, it's one of those where like, yeah, it'd going be nice through, if we had a computer, right? Well, you know what I mean? Going through her IMDB. It's one of those where it's like, oh yeah, she was in that and that and exactly. that. But, she's one of those actresses. The, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, but she's I mean, if you would would tell me that like, oh yeah, the the lady from Casper when she was quite young, you know, still in her teens, gave a just phenomenal uh performance against Robert De Niro, I'd be like, I I don't know about that. I mean, she's she's fine. She's no uh she's she's no Devin Sawa in Casper, but um, you know, she's okay. Uh but she you know she's fantastic in this i mean and and when she gives sort of that classic you know she, the thing that i think of her as the most i mean cause she's just a bitchy woman in casper but she's got that sort of yell that screechy yell and you get one great 
fine moment of it when everything reaches well and to that point I, to that point i think what happened is that the screechy yell in this film was almost accidental it's just she's in the moment she's acting mm-hmm. the screechy yell comes out and then she thought hey that's kind of, that can be my thing yeah and yeah. then so that became her brand up and through casper wherever it's all over that movie <laughs> that, that's actually a pretty interesting point it, it actually it kind of reminds me of this so i've always had my head uh okay you know the song dream on the aerosmith right. song um i've always had my head that dream on is sort of where steven tyler found his voice and everything went wrong because dream on doesn't really sound like an aerosmith song you know what i mean like it's it sounds more like a it sounds kind of like a southern rock song and then he gets into that little bridge where he's just dream on dream i can't believe i'm doing this for you right now but then he just gets you know into steven tyler like screaming mode and it feels like like a, a switch flipped in him, and he never came back. I would and just, maybe maybe that's the same thing. One, with uh, Kathy Moriarty. Okay, here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Chris has talked talked trash both on Rocky and Aerosmith over the course of an hour. <laughs> Did I talk trash on Aerosmith? It, I, I just, mean, it, I think I think the falsetto is a little played out over. You, I don't even you know insulted how many years. what may be their masterpiece. <laughs> what may no? What, I think I think it's a great song. That's my point. Is like it it works well where it's. It's a little, you know, it's a little moment. And so maybe I should totally take this back because I love Kathy Moriarty in this film and I don't want to say anything ill of her. But, you know, it's Dream On is probably the best Aerosmith song. And I'm not an avid fan, so I only really know singles. It's certainly better than Pink. But what's the uh, what's what's the uh, the Armageddon song? I'm sure Jake will fight me on this one. But uh, yeah, I think once again you just you're digging the hole deeper. You're digging <laughs> well, the hole deeper. I, already, I started out by saying that I hate Rocky. Yeah, exactly. How much further can I go? Yeah, it's it's one of those things. You're not digging it deeper. You're just going horizontally yeah, at this point. Yeah. You're a horizontal well. Yeah. Is what you're right now. <laughs> okay, so um, I would say that. Uh, that Raging Bull, I like Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci's always great. Kathy Moriarty, like you said, is great. Um, and then he's got a nice supporting cast mm-hmm. surrounding them. But again, I still think that this is a Martin Scorsese slash Robert De Niro movie. Whereas in Rocky, like I said, every single character is iconic. Every single character, you know their name, you know their thing. Is Polly iconic though? I, is he? I well, to me What's, certainly. Okay. I, maybe maybe that's something we should do a poll. Is is Polly yeah, iconic? Is, is Polly iconic? But, <laughs> but certainly Adrian, certainly Rocky. Yes, no, who would be the answers? <laughs> but certainly Rocky, certainly Adrian, certainly Apollo, certainly Mickey, and then not, that's even excluding some of the characters that come in the later films. And I and I can't believe that that's just because of happenstance i mean people really love these characters and so even if it even if they are what some might say is rote or we've seen them before there's something that the actors bring to it that there's there in the script and then also just kind of the 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 character types they're playing that people identify with i kind of feel like we need this mythology and then rocky occupied that mythology we need the underdog mythology all, all, yeah. all totally. And I, I think I squeaked my, there a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'll, you, I'll you agree, with, I'll agree with you. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. But I just feel like it's not the it's not the mythology we deserved. Um, oh. it, it, it's a little. Let me let me challenge. Okay, well, how about one. this? Do you have a better underdog? I did. How do you feel about the underdog genre in general? I mean, do you have y- one? Y- Rudy. Can we go Rudy? Yeah, I like Rudy. I, I mean, mean Rudy, Rudy's pretty good. I don't... I, you know, if you were to attack Rudy at this point, I mean, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I I mean, I to be honest, like, sports movies aren't really my thing. I, I, I can tell you what my wife's would be. Remember the Titans. 
I, I love Remember the Titans. It's, it's a solid film. Um, but let me, let no, me well, challenge. Okay, well, Remember the Titans quotes. I mean, might as well is, well, that that's North Carolina. They play double A. This is Virginia. We play triple A. And this has been Hunter Cates doing lines from obscure lines from Room of the Titans. Uh, let me let me challenge you on one thing with your uh, your ensemble, and that's Adrian. Like, I'll give you I'll give you Mickey, I'll give you Rocky, I'll certainly give you Apollo. Um, but what's iconic about Adrian? What's what's really like memorable about Adrian? Like the thing that I remember is Adrian, hey, Adrian. <laughs> I would say, I mean, certainly that that's part of it is Rocky's reaction to her. But I think that what it is um, for me is just you've got this person who is exceptionally shy, who's probably undergone quite a bit of abuse. Not probably. She has undergone quite a bit of abuse from Polly. We don't really know her parental situation. And so I not being a woman, I think that there's something that women can relate to her and then even I can relate to the idea of someone who has never really discovered herself, never really been noticed by boys, mm-hmm. but she's finally noticed by this unexpected source. And it's just the idea of someone finally loving you. You've never been loved, and in many ways you've been abused. And then finally there's this brute who, he notices you, he loves you. You're hidden behind these glasses, you're hidden behind these cages. He likes your turkey. He likes your turkey. Actually, that's another great line is, uh, yeah, to, you know, to you, it's Thanksgiving. To me, it's Thursday. How can I <laughs> that, is, that is a good line. Yeah, I'll give you the, that. Yeah, it's full of that. that and, and like, once again, I, I just love street poetry. It's there in Raging Bull. It's there in all of Martin Scorsese's pictures, but it's also very much there in Rocky movies. Is I just love, maybe this is just the Midwestern in me. I love the way you people talk up in the Northeast. If we have any listeners from there, I love the way you talk. S- street poetry, like, uh, what is it? Buzz off creepo? Screw you, creepo. Screw you, creepo. Screw, screw you, creepo. <laughs> Um, okay, so we've we've gone over these various elements. So now the now the big question: which film, which essential film, is essentialier? So we know your answer, but make your case. Um, I mean, I I think just from a if we're we're talking about films, so we're talking about cinema on a cinematic scale. This is just, I mean, Rocky is like featherweight versus. <laughs> Uh, I mean, really Super heavyweight. Yeah. Ver- versus, <laughs> versus heavyweight, uh, raging bull. As far as, I mean, you go down the list of, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it score as just a nod as, as, uh, you know, a, because it, it, it deserves something. Um, the but, ref is pushing you back. You're pummeling it in the corner. The ref yeah. is pushing you back. Say, let him get up. Just- yeah. It gets, it, it gets, a, it gets a little punch in, but, um, you know, on, and, and granted, I, I think, the technical aspects of raging bull appeal to me a lot just from a, like those, those are things that those are the type of types of things that do make me want to revisit a film. And as I've said, like this isn't one that I've revisited many times because it is difficult, but those are the things that like will ultimately get me to put it back in. Um, and then endure. And it's just, it's so, um, it's so well-made, so well-made. And, um, I, I mean, I think, uh, I, I've dropped her name a lot, but Thelma Schumacher has so much blood, sweat, and tears in in this film as much as uh, Scorsese, in my opinion. And just like it is a very lively, vibrant film. And and I mean that that's another thing being the uh, launching off point for 
for that collaboration. You know, it's a second film for Scorsese and De Niro. It's a first film for him and, and Schumacher and they've remained together. And, and you, I mean, you look at something like Wolf of Wall Street, it's a couple of 70 plus year olds made a just amazingly uh, brilliant, vibrant film. I'm getting off track here, Yeah, well, but, the, the but point- you feel, it feels like Raging Bull feels that, you know, it, they, there's this longevity of it and it's, it's a, so it's the, it's the starting point of that. Um, and, and so there's, there's that, there's just the, the technical skill of, like we talked about plotting out these amazing fights, uh, mixed with this verite of, um, these sort of bedroom conversations and, and neighborhood living room conversations and making it feel like, uh, you know, they, they didn't go for these lavish, elaborate, like dressing things up to be period. They just, they very lightly, um, you know, do enough to make you feel like, Oh yeah, they're they're on the street of of this Bronx neighborhood in uh you know in the forties. It's uh it, it's just really damn good filmmaking. Um, Bottom line, yeah. There's there's not a thing that you said that I disagree with. All I will say is that, and I think you would even agree with this is it's not my Mar- my favorite Martin Scorsese. I yeah. can get what I get out of Raging Bull that I can I can get that out of other films that he's done. I can mm-hmm. get the meditation on violence. I can get the technical mastery it's it's and, significant and, and that's that's a fair yeah, criticism. And it's significance uh, culturally is that if not for raging bull martin scorsese probably would if not be dead he would be doing you know he wouldn't be making films potentially so i think it's certainly significant from that point but as you said is it hasn't uh at least to our generation it's not one that we watch so much anymore so yeah i don't i i mean i don't know what it is i don't know if it's taken as as it's sort of grown in the cinematic uh, world as far as, you know, critics and critics and, that, and filmmakers yeah, are, are concerned. I don't know. I don't, I really, I mean, it's more a question than anything. I don't know where it stands with audiences. I don't know who among my friends have, uh, have seen Raging Bull. Well, and so to that point, I, as much as I admire the filmmaking, I don't know what Raging Bull's legacy is other than what we've already talked about as far as a critical and commercial standpoint. Whereas with Rocky, it's a movie. It's it's a capital M movie. I don't think our culture would be a very and I and I tr- truly do mean this. Our culture would be a very very different place if not for Rocky. For one, there uh, wouldn't have been a I raging bull. Yeah. For, for one, one, for one, there wouldn't be a raging bull. I can't believe we didn't discuss this, but yeah. I think we have previously on the show. Um, it's you know I I disagree. I think we I think we approach this from different vantage points. Like I, I, in in this case, I would say you're making. Raging Bull out to be sort of the underdog, like sort of the, um, you know, the, I, because in, in that sense, like it kind of makes me feel like, oh, well then Rocky also has enough attention on it. Why? Like I'm more afraid of losing something that is masterful and great, like Raging Bull, like that falling by the wayside and in the ephemera of, uh, our collective consciousness. Well, no, and that's fair enough, but could that, could the case be made then that, that's indicative of it being less essentialier. No, I don't. I don't think so. I, I like. I think. I think more than anything, it's it is a difficult film to watch. But in my opinion, Rocky is a difficult film to watch as well. <laughs> and that's here's here's where I'm going to land. Raging Bull, better film. Rocky, itchier film. Itchier film. All right. They both make well, me and, itchy. And so if that and so well. Oh, well, well. Wait. If they both make you itchy, yeah. you said that Raging Bull made you itchy, but you were supposed to feel that way. Yeah. Or Jake yeah. Lamotta. But you would still say that the Rocky character is itchier than Jake Lamotta. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, um, 
So I guess Chris and I both came down where we anticipated we'd come down once again. But a little harder on yeah, my exactly. side, I guess. Yeah. Well, not necessarily because I was worried that I was going to be uh, too harsh on Raging Bull. Fortunately, you were just harsher on Rocky to kind of <laughs> – I made, I made myself out to you, be yeah, the you, so, you soaked up more blood in this, as mm-hmm. it were. Um, but at the same time, I would argue that both of them are essential films. You should see both and don't let your opinion be gerrymandered by either Chris or I. Well, I mean, what really needs to happen is you need to watch both of these in a double feature back to back and then let us know uh, which one is more essentially. Yes, which one is which one is essentially or that's the point of Civil War is you should see essential films and then in true Internet nerd fashion, you should compare them to each other. So, Chris, the one unifying theme I noticed in both of your reviews is that you found both of these pictures itchy. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, are you going to recommend an off-brand beer that gives you a rash <laughs> and is going to make you itchy? That's, that's an interesting uh, – You know, I, I wish I would have had this in my mind before because there's actually a beer. I believe it's called Itchy Eyeball that I would have recommended uh, by Lagunitas. But, and, well, does it indeed produce that effect? Uh, no, it doesn't. I was, I was kind of afraid because I bought it like sort of a – bargain uh price i think it was like for for a bomber it was like 250 or something and i was like oh this is i love lagunitas but i don't know well it was was fantastic multi uh delicious but that's not what i'm recommending today um because i i think it would be interesting for our viewers to i didn't do quite a double feature but i did close together um i think it would be interesting for our listeners to do a double feature of these and if you're going to do this you're going to need a beer that can allow you to go the distance. You're also going to, I assume, go all fifteen rounds. Yeah, yeah for exactly. Um, and and you're also probably, you know, probably going to want to take up some boxing and you know get in get in shape. So this beer will uh, allow you to keep, uh, uh, you know, keep drinking, but also uh, not worry so much about your your boxing bod. And that's uh, Michelob Ultra from Anheuser Busch. It's uh you know, as far as low calorie, low ABV uh, sort of beers go, it's a lesser of the water, less watery than you would expect. Uh, it's it's something that you know. Back in college, we would have a uh, little nickel of ultra parties uh, in the uh, editing bay um, when you know we were all getting together to uh, edit our short films to do our things. Little, okay, uh, well that that is a fantastic choice. Found at a grocery store near yeah. you. <laughs> it, it, just if they sell beer, they've probably got Michelob Ultra. And you know what? If you were still alive, I bet Apollo Creed would drink it. <laughs> he probably would. Um, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Rocky and Raging Bull are currently available to rent or stream in the places and platforms where you rent and stream things. Which one deserves the title belt in the Civil War battle? Well, tell us at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if email isn't your thing, we'd still love to hear from you. Ring that bright red telephone and leave us a voicemail in your best Mickey voice. Tell us to eat lightning and crap thunder and become a very dangerous person. Yeah, do exactly that at 484-424-6362. That's 484-4CINEMA. Stick around because we'll be back after the break to discuss our really rad recommendations. I love love. I love being in love. I don't care what it does to me. Take these tattered boxes that used to hold your clothes Break them down, build them back up with your bones Now all you do is construct a mess You're good to me and only flesh your memory With nothing to show
All right, Hunter, it's recommendation time once again. Uh, I'm curious what you've got for us. I is there is there a Godzilla boxing movie? Um, actually, he Godzilla versus Barkley. There, there. I, I believe they had boxing gloves at some point okay. in time in Godzilla versus Barkley. Okay. But that is not uh, my recommendation today. I decided to double team it, you know, because mm-hmm. we double teamed it mm-hmm. today. So my first recommendation you can find on Netflix. Some of the best documentary filmmaking going on right now is by ESPN Films in their 30 for 30 series. And so they did a documentary called Chasing Tyson, which kind of parallels Evander Holyfield's rise compared to Mike Tyson and how Mike Tyson being this very larger-than-life Apollo Creed-like figure overshadowed Evander Holyfield, who even Mike Tyson acknowledges now is maybe one of the best boxers to ever live. So it's a very interesting discussion, not just on the sport of boxing, but just the the culture of boxing. Pretty much the last time boxing was really, really popular, which was the late 80s and early 90s, and it really hasn't uh, come back in that degree of popularity since. So once again, that is Chasing Tyson on Netflix. So that's recommendation one. Recommendation two, not a good film. After Rocky came out, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of kind of demand for Sylvester Stallone to be in something dramatic because he was considered a dramatic actor. This was before he decided, forget it, I'm just going to be an action star and make the money. And so the very first movie he made afterwards was called Fist, and Fist is actually an acronym. It's F I S T. Oh boy, I'm not sure what it stands for, but he <laughs> plays a kind of Jimmy Hoffa style. Uh, union leader in a movie that's about two and a half hours long. It's absolutely completely ridiculous. Sylvester Stallone co-wrote it with Joe Esterhaus, who would go on to write Basic Instinct. So that gives you some idea of what you're getting yourself in for. Very, very strange movie from the late 70s. I'm not even sure where you can find it. I just saw it on Encore, whatever. So that is from 1978 from director Norman Jewison, Fist. And Hunter, uh, while you were talking, I just looked up FIST to figure out what this acronym stood for. Um, this is not what I was expecting. Federation of Interstate Truckers. I'm telling you, it's a very, very strange viewing is, experience. Is this a prequel to Over the Top? Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I guess in many ways all Sylvester Stallone movies <laughs> exist in the same universe. But as far as I know, it's not a literal prequel. No, that, that's a shame. Okay, so I, uh, you, you've got a Stallone uh, recommendation here. I'm going to have, uh, I, I've got a Scorsese recommendation, and it's something that, uh, depending on who you read or listen to or watch or whatever, um, some a lot of people hate this, um, and but I've I've been enjoying it. It's uh, the new uh, television show on HBO, Vinyl, which uh, Scorsese is an executive producer along with Mick Jagger on. And it's uh it's about five episodes in. I think this this weekend will be the sixth. And I'm I'm kind of digging it. Like it started out really slow. Have you have you watched any of this? No, I have not. Okay, it's uh it's about this record company in the early seventies, like nineteen seventy three, and they're sort of in flux, much like uh, the music industry. And um, they're sort of getting rid of all their you know just rando uh, uh, collection of of artists and trying to get something hip and new. And, um, I, I imagine it's going to places where they, you know, they're going to sign punk bands and, uh, and hip hop groups and these things really probably something that's not exactly what happens in the record industry. You know, they're, they're diversifying in a way that you don't often see, but, uh, it's been, it's been pretty good. Olivia Wilde is in it and it is fantastic. Um, it's, Get past, I, I would say, get past the the pilot, which is a daunting two hours. Um, it's a little slow in setting things up, but from 
the second episode on, it's been pretty great. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, that is vinyl and it's on uh, HBO, HBO Go, HBO Now, all the HBOs. Steal it from your parents. Fantastic. Well, that's a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. Check us out online at warstartsatmidnight.com for show notes, weekly movie recommendations, and more. And if you've made it this far into the credits, let's face it, you should probably subscribe to the show on iTunes. And while you're there, why don't you rate or review the show? It'll help us reach new listeners and it'll make you feel awesome. On the flip side, if you're just the trolling type who think Chris and I are a couple of coconuts, well, go ahead and say screw you, creepo, at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if you're an Apollo Creed, well, you can leave us a voicemail and see if we play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at 484-424-6362. So if you're a cunning businessman, please let us know. Actually, if you're a very charismatic black person who's actually not dead. So if you're like Tupac. Um, Okay, well, music on this week's show comes from the album Dog Problems by The Format. Find music and more at theformat.com. Join us in another fortnight as Chris and I don our cape and cows for Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. So glad you said V. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, yo, we'll see you later. Huh? I love how, I love how, I love being in love. This brand new segment is a fight to the death, or at least dismemberment, as we pit... Okay, I can't do that yeah. the entire time.